Back on Navigating the Cancer Maze, I'm Grace Gawley, your host, here today with Professor Brendan Coventry. And in this uh, session, we're going to talk about more on melanoma and particularly vaccines. So can you tell us how you've been treating advanced melanoma, what results you've achieved and what have you published on the subject? Well, uh, um, melanoma um, can be treated uh, by a number of means and and, uh, standard chemotherapy uh, has been the the mainstay and it's been the mainstay for, for... quite a number of decades, uh, really not changed and really not been very effective. So we've been searching around for treatments that uh, are more effective than than chemotherapy. And one of these uh, was a vaccine that uh, we had used in a previous study across Australia um, where it was made out of um, a patient's melanoma cells that were grown in the laboratory and then uh, and then split apart uh, so that there was uh, a, a mishmash of membranes from these cells. So the cells couldn't divide and couldn't cause trouble for any patient that we were to put them into, uh, but uh, they could induce an immune response in the patient uh, against their own melanoma. So these were patients that had melanoma uh, that had been removed surgically, and then they were either not given the vaccine, which was one arm of the trial, or given the vaccine. And uh, the results after eight years of study were, (laughs) to be frank, um, rather disappointing for us all because it showed no real difference statistically between the the group that was treated and the group that wasn't. But this was for melanoma that had been removed and Mm -hmm. we were trying to stop it coming back. However, there was a slight difference in the curves in that the treated group was always just slightly above the survival of the non-treated group, but not statistically. So we're all a bit disappointed that this didn't show um, an, an, you know, an effect that was uh, um, statistically uh, robust and, and also um, we were uh, disappointed that we didn't have a better treatment than, than uh, to try and stop melanoma coming back. Uh, than just um, just what what we were doing currently, which was basically just the surgery and then waiting to see if it did come back. So uh, we were still left with a dilemma, though, with melanoma that had spread that couldn't be removed surgically. And in rather desperation, with a number of patients coming through that didn't want chemotherapy or had failed chemotherapy, um, we uh, tried this vaccine, not really thinking that it would probably work, uh, but um, uh, but uh, to our immense surprise it did. And uh, in fact the first patient we treated had removal of all melanoma within three doses uh, and has remained disease free for 14 years. Uh, he was so fit and well he fought the bushfires on Air Peninsula in South Australia. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and continues on uh, to, uh, to today um, without any melanoma detectable. And so we continued on. I mean, if we'd not had such a, a remarkable response first up, we probably would have got disappointed and, and may not have continued. But uh, we had um, uh, another 53 patients, so 54 in total, that were treated. And uh, uh, of those... Uh, nearly 17% uh, 
develop these complete responses. Now, this was this was very unusual in a cancer that that previously was essentially a death sentence for patients, and and so to get such a high rate of complete response where all cancer disappears uh, really caught our attention, and we ended up publishing on this, and we published in 2010, and then again in April 2014, and uh, uh, and we looked at the five-year survivals. And that was published in the 2014 paper, and that showed a five-year survival of, of uh, uh, between 15 and 16 percent, which again was remarkable. You know, this was normally a death sentence, as I say, and only one percent or so of patients would be alive out to five years. Mm-hmm. So this was something like 15 times the the results that had been obtained uh, thus far uh, by other treatments. So this really caught our attention, and, and we started looking at this further. And, and um, partway through that, um, uh, a, an article was published in, in one of the, the popular um, drug company-type journals. And uh, uh, I had a phone call from Martin Ashdown, who you've interviewed before on the program. And, and uh, Martin said, look, uh, you know, we've got some interesting work that we've been doing um, with... Um, with a mouse model and uh, and we've also just started looking at it in humans where the immune system seems to be turning on and off and uh, you might be interested in this and and so we uh, we spoke uh, for well over an hour on that phone call and and have continued speaking for well over an hour <laughs> <laughs> on most occasions ever since and uh, and uh, it's been a marvelous collaboration and and uh, a great friendship and we've uh, we've managed to to try and unlock uh, much more than we thought we would unlock by uh, combining our resources and, and thoughts on the matter and have now published quite a number of papers together mm-hmm. could you uh, elaborate more on the measurement of the immune cycle and how that work has or may dovetail with your vaccine work um, currently and in the future? Well, what, what uh, continuously struck me uh, over the years with treating melanoma patients was, as I said before, not all of them recurred that we would predict because they had residual disease, that's disease that remained, we would have predicted it would have come back. So there was something going on and what we noticed treating patients with the vaccine was that some of the deposits would disappear and others would come up um, in the same patient. Mm. Uh, some of them would disappear altogether uh, in completely in, in, uh, in the single patient and some of them would continue to grow no matter what we did. So it was, it was rather frustrating and, and trying to sort of unlock and unpiece all this and, and work out who was going to respond and who wouldn't which remains a problem for, for essentially all treatments for cancer um, currently, um, it was, was a real issue. And, and so we, um, when, when I heard this notion, Martin heard this, uh, this dilemma that we were in where we couldn't work out uh, why some patients were responding and some weren't, and that there seemed to be some sort of oscillation going on in the cancer patient in the size of their lesions, uh, we uh, we really had some common ground, and and so uh, when we started monitoring our patients, which Martin had suggested, then we uh, used a, a marker called CRP, C-reactive protein, that's produced by the liver, and it 
goes up with inflammation, uh, any sort of inflammation. It's a very global, uh, uh, non-specific marker. But interestingly enough, in cancer patients, it, it, uh, if you take regular measurements, then it appears to go up and go down, and then it goes up again and goes down again, and it seems to just repetitively go through this oscillation or wave. This is remarkable. And we started looking at, we were vaccinating patients every two weeks, and, and we started looking at where the vaccinations fell with respect to this oscillation that was ongoing in each individual cancer patient. And when we looked backwards and had a look at where each oscillation, where each vaccination was given with respect to the particular oscillation that was going on at the time that it was given, then we started noticing that the patients that were responding had clustering around certain parts of the curve. So the vaccines that fell near the trough of the curve seemed to be associated with a better outcome in the patients. That really caught our attention. Mm. And it started to make us think about perhaps uh, trying to uh, look at this in a broader sense, get more information, and, and then start to look at it with different cancers and see if the same sort of patterns occurred with different cancers. And to date, uh, we've looked at a, at a range of, of some 15-odd cancer types, uh, many different cancer patients, and they seem to show this oscillation, this dynamic response that's going on in the cancer patient where the cancer can't be removed, but the immune system seems to be doing something to try and, try and rid itself of the cancer, reacting against it. And in a healthy person, you haven't been able to record an immune cycle, right? The immune cycle doesn't seem to be evident at all, no. Uh, and interestingly enough, in, in several patients that we've removed the tumour from, we can, the immune cycle seems to disappear. And if the tumour comes back, the immune cycle... How appears. interesting. So we, when we looked at this, uh, and, we, and we're in, in a data-gathering phase at the moment, so we, we try to substantiate a lot of this, and, and most of it's sort of limited by funding and time and, and other constraints. But, um, but when we're looking at this, uh, you know, this has really caught our attention because it shows the immune response is not static. Now, that is, it's not just the same all the time. It seems to be oscillating. Now, this is very common with every biological system so why we were so surprised and why everyone that's listened to our stories so surprised that the immune system's oscillating is actually beyond us uh, because we we really shouldn't be surprised um, because as I say everything oscillates everything in biology um, usually is is homeostatically regulated that means it's it's regulated to a particular set level and it goes a little bit over and a little bit under, a little bit like the speed control on your car. If you set it at, at say, 60 kilometres per hour, um, it uh, goes a little over and a little under to keep it at, at that level. Mm. So for those of you who are listening today who are interested in the immune cycle, we have a page on our website, the Grey Scholar Institute website, which is grayscholarinstitute.com. Um, have a look at that, and you can register to get information about how you might be able to encourage your oncologist or treating physician to look at your immune cycle. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly on Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're talking about the immune system today. And, of course, my special guest that you've been listening to is Professor Brendan Coventry. So we finished off the last session, uh, Brendan, talking about the oscillations of the immune cycle. 
could you explain the peaks and the troughs of the oscillations of that cycle, what they actually mean, and how do you time treatments? If you could just give us an overview of that. Well, uh, look, some of this is in, in evolution. We're trying to understand this in, in greater depth. So what I'm about to say is our best explanation at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying, to, trying to sort of work on this further and, and unlock it further. And, and it will change a bit. But in essence, uh, when the, uh, the trough is the lowest point of, of the cycle, and so that's where it's, it's coming down, it's being turned off, and then it's about to be turned back on, and the CRP levels are, are about to go up again. So this is based on, on C-reactive protein being taken, serial measurements each day, uh, that, uh, at, the, at the, roughly the same time, so that, that we can get points that can plot a curve. Mm-hmm. And that's reliant on enough points being present for the curve to actually show. Imagine if you had two points that were a month apart, you could basically just draw a straight line between them. But if you took them a week apart, then you could start to see some pattern emerging. If you took them uh, two days apart, you'd see a much better pattern. If you took them a day apart, um, so these are blood tests that a patient would get, and then you would get a particular level, and that could be plotted on on a graph. And that reveals a curve. And this curve is a waveform or an oscillation uh, which uh, goes up and goes down. And so uh, there is a, a trough where it's at its lowest point and there is a peak which is where it is highest point. And so it waxes and wanes. And what's driving that and what's actually making that go up and down, we're still trying to work out. But our, our best explanation at the moment is that there's two groups of cells, white cells, uh, called lymphocytes, that have the capacity to uh, activate and the other group has the capacity to suppress or inhibit. So what turns the immune cycle on appears to be the group of cells that are activating. So they're accelerating the immune response on. And they uh, start the acceleration and they start to divide very rapidly just before the curve is starting to go up. And then, about 48 hours later, and and this has been worked out through multiple papers, this is not our work, this is other people's work as well, that um, about 48 hours after the activation phase, the immune system has a switch-off mechanism, a break phase, and another group of cells, the regulatory T-cells, actually start to divide, and when they divide rapidly, then the immune system gets turned off. So there's this turn-off, turn-off mechanism, on, off, on, off, causing the wave. Mm -hmm. And then what we've deduced is that there are certain parts in the wave that seem to have an effect in turning the immune system on better, and there are other parts that have effects in turning the immune system off better. So that the theory goes that if you target those particular points on the cycle, then you can actually turn the immune system on when you want to turn it on, and you can turn it off when you want to turn it off. At the moment, because we're not taking this waveform into account, this immune cycle into account, 
then our treatments are falling wherever they fall when the patient walks into the oncology clinic. And that means that our treatments could be turning it on or turning it off or doing a combination of both. And we will never know unless we monitor the patient to be able to reveal this dynamic waveform that's going on underneath. And if we can then time, instead of it being convenient just for the oncology clinic, but convenient for the particular patient at the particular time that they need to be treated, then we can actually turn the immune system selectively on or selectively off. And that opens a range of different treatment options for us to to use, probably using a whole lot of uh, very cheap and inexpensive treatments that can manipulate the immune system on or off. We think this is occurring naturally. So people who have a remission just may, by luck, fall within the right time if they have a complete response to treatment because they've just fallen into the right time of the window of opportunity. Yes, and uh, um, Martin and I have, have, have sat down and just looked at this further and, and we've now gone back and looked at, at chemotherapy studies, um, many studies that have been done in, in some 3,000 patients uh, and found that that the complete response rate across multiple different cancers and multiple different uh, cytotoxic cancer treatments sits around about uh, 7%, somewhere between 5 and 10%. Um, we've also looked at uh, a completely different agents that turn the immune system on selectively that are just given without any consideration of this cycle, but they're just given to patients so they don't, they don't kill any cancer cells directly and they don't uh, supply any, any uh, antigen for vaccination or anything. They, they just simply turn the immune system on. Their rate sits around about 7%, 5 to 10% range. And we've looked at some of these newer agents that have been used for treatment of a range of, of cancers, in particular melanoma, and uh, some of the newer pathway blockers, uh, the so-called BRAF inhibitors, uh, and uh, for, for that group of patients that have the BRAF mutation, and also some of the checkpoint uh, inhibitors that, that can uh, take the break off the immune system and, and stop the lymphocytes dying close to the tumour. Uh, some of these newer agents are, are really quite exciting. But interestingly enough, their complete response rates sit around about 5 to 10% as well. So um, this, this is quite remarkable. It's, it's, it's mathematically very strange and biologically very odd that it should all sit in the 5 to 10% range for causing complete responses. We should see a much broader range if, if some sort of uh, mathematical restriction was not at work. So... Um, after lots of discussion and, and head scratching, uh, Martin and I have um, have come up with uh, the uh, the sort of inescapable thought that there must be some sort of window where, uh, in this cycle, and this, each cycle is roughly seven days in length, there must be some sort of window uh, that the treatment, if it's given in that window, will become optimally effective for the patient and that this is the thing that's actually restricting it to this 5 to 10% bracket across every treatment that we seem to be looking at and we seem to know of and, and is reported in the literature. 
Wonderful. You've been very generous with your knowledge and time today. Uh, we're coming to an end now on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'd like to ask you back for another session at some point because I think there's so much more we could have talked about today and I'm sure we'll get very good listener response from today's show. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity too. Bye for now. I'm very grateful today for Professor Brendan Coventry who's taken the time to share his experience and knowledge and his research about cancer as well as his personal thoughts on cancer. He's recently been a guest here in Brisbane at a very special meeting called a Meeting of Minds where cancer vaccines, immune cycle and innovative treatments were discussed. Please take a look at the website gracegawlerinstitute.com if you'd like to follow up further with this or especially related to the show, my blog, gracegawlermedia.com and remember for new listeners, G-A-W-L-E-R, gracegawlermedia.com and there you'll find a lot of resources and direct reference to some of the research papers by link that Professor Coventry and Martin Ashdown have been involved with. It's been great having you listening to the show today. I'm always excited about innovative oncology. So join us again next week. And in the meantime, have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye.